Hello, my name is Lawrence Brooks. We are back with another Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks podcast. Um, it has been a minute, so I'm happy to be on with you guys. I am also here with my co-host, Corbin Ford, who is also here. How are you, Corbin? You know, Lawrence, I'm good. Happy to be back with you, like you said. Get this thing rolling, man. The season's been fast. Time's been moving by quick, but, you know, happy to be back with it. Yeah, definitely. We are getting closer to playoff time. As most, most of you may remember, last time we recorded, the Dallas Mavericks did not have Spencer Dinwiddie or David Bertans, and they did have Porzingis. We'll get into that along with how we feel about their playoffs, playoff looks, and anything else that's approaching postseason play. We're going to jump right into it, so we're glad to be back with you guys. But before we start, listeners, please take a moment to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Please follow. Those guys are great. They're amazing. They get everything you need, especially if you play fantasy sports. And those guys are just working um, in a manner that I don't think many others are. So please subscribe. Please follow. Please go ahead and get into that. Now, that being said, man, the Dallas Mavericks are sitting here in fourth place in sole fourth position because they beat Utah last night, um, which they were battling with. They had uh, a similar record, and now they are sitting in fourth by themselves. Man, it's funny how how things kind of transpired because, again, as we spoke last time, the Mavericks were – we didn't know if they were going to make a trade. We didn't know if they were going to stand pat. But we talked about how we felt about them moving Porzingis, and we didn't think that they would – actually move him or know what they would get back for him. I kind of half-heartedly brought up Spencer Dinwiddie, but based Mm -hmm. on the way he was looking, it didn't seem as if that would be somebody they go after. And then lo and behold, the trade happens. And they bring in Spencer Dinwiddie and David Bertans. And I have to admit, I have to admit, I wasn't that excited about the trade. I actually thought they didn't get much back. Boy, was I wrong. Man. you're right. You're right. I'm going to toss it to you because I could keep going. But what are your thoughts on what What are your thoughts post trade? I mean, as it sits right now, they're six and two since the trade. They're actually nine and three overall since the last time Porzingis even um, stepped on a Mavericks floor. So with that being said, how are you feeling about this trade? Dude, I'm with you in terms of the the shock of how well it has done. You know what I mean? I definitely didn't foresee this. Um, I thought, okay, you know what? You're getting the guy in Spencer Dinwiddie. And we talked about this already, how you want another guy to maybe initiate offense, you know, relieve some pressure from Luka. If he can be a big shot maker, that's great. If he can, you know, be a consistent shot maker, I mean, that's great. If he can be a big shot maker, even better. But just another table ball handler to kind of ease that burden off of both Doncic and, to a lesser extent, Jalen Brunson. Um, the fact they were able to do that, we kind of tossed around the idea of, of Porzingis being moved, but we didn't kind of see it happening like this. To plug in their biggest weaknesses of having that second um, initiator offensively, being able to still survive defensively without Kristaps Porzingis, and having not just good, but great performances from Spencer Dinwiddie is amazing. David Bertans, it's like playing with cash. It's like just house money, man. Like whatever he gives you from a three-point perspective, from opening up the floor, you take it. But, like, the absolute prize, like, Spencer's been playing better than anyone could have imagined, and I don't even think that's that, that's that's not a far reach. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I say it all the time in sports. I think situation matters in almost every aspect of the game because it, all of the all of these guys are high quality professionals, and obviously there's different tiers of talent. But at the end of the day, as long as you can put a talented individual into a very um, optimal situation, you will get the most out of them. And that's what you're seeing with Spencer Dinwiddie because, again, kind of the narrative about him was he lost a step. He wasn't quite himself anymore. Um, he was kind of looking like damaged goods in in Washington, to be honest. And so I just didn't know if if that's somebody that you would want to go after if you felt like Porzingis was worth more. But, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is – I mean, he's been a godsend for them offensively. I mean, he's averaging 17.6 points per game on 49% shooting. He's 38% from the three. Um, he's, he's around four assists per game, and he's getting to the line like five times a game. He has just been a, a pure – um force for them as a team that has been sorely lacking another playmaker and it's actually unlocking their entire offense because now it's so much of what they're doing doesn't have to revolve around Luca and then trickle down to Jalen Brunson you have three guys that can equally all make plays on the floor when I say equally I just mean guys that can all do it obviously they're not going to do it at, at Luca's level but with that being said do you think this is something that they can actually use moving forward going into the postseason or do you just see this as kind of like a regular season victory lap this show they're way more equipped than for just this regular season and yeah a victory lap is is, is deserved i mean look what they did you know making a move that somehow handled all their problems well most of their problems and also kind of shored up some of their weaknesses i mean shore up some of the weaknesses and also kept their strengths the same like that absolutely is deserving of at least a shout-out, you know? But if you look at the playoffs, what have we seen so often the last two round, last two series? Luka Doncic gets worn down, right? Mm-hmm. Time and again, that's been the case. He's the only guy who can really do something. You might get a game or two from some of your other role players, but for the most part, it's Luka time. You get the magic from that, but you also get him wearing down. It was a common theme to where the second half of both series against the Clippers the last two years. But this year, you know, let's say they match up, and we'll talk about the matchups later, but, like, you have a guy... And Spencer Dimmer, who is used to being this type of player, who has had success in the playoffs, you know, along D'Angelo Russell, playing this type of role. You know, Luka is going to be the guy. But now, when you don't have Luka there, guess what? Spencer Dimmer knows his role. He knows what he's doing when he's playing alongside Luka. He knows what he's doing when Luka's off the floor. The the, the role players still have that same continuity, playing with the, with the NBA starting caliber um, offensive initiator of Dimmer's caliber. And the way that he's been playing, now, nah, absolutely, you build off of this. This is not something that's going to stop um, you know, come next week, we got week and a half when the playoffs come around. There's only the beginning, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that I think it'll absolutely be something that carry over into the playoffs, and they're going to need them anyway because, again, not having Tim Hardaway Jr. Ha- being able to insert him into the lineup and have him um, perform the way he has has been something that'll definitely be beneficial because with the way we're going with um, NBA basketball continuing to be more about playmakers and not about necessarily size and athleticism, so to speak, just being out on the floor, you have to be able to score and and you have to be able to be a playmaker. And the more people you have on the floor that are playmakers, the better your offense is ran. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm extremely impressed by the trade. I am pleasantly surprised by the trade as well. But for them to play like this and for Spencer Dewey to step up in the way he has, and again, with, with David Bertans, I mean, he's just another guy who can stretch the floor and make threes. He hasn't necessarily set the world on fire, 
But mm-hmm. if, you, if you told me that this is what you would get in Spencer Dinwiddie um, and you were moving Porzingis, I would have been perfectly fine with it because it's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like picking up something you desperately needed while also losing a little bit of size. But at the same time, you can kind of figure that part out. But you needed another playmaker on the floor. Absolutely. Um, and we said that was one of the biggest weaknesses they had. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so with that being said, we'll move over into, you know, they're kind of what their playoff prospects are looking like. And again, after over this week, they went three and one over the week. They split with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They um, they beat the, the Houston Rockets. And then last night they beat the Utah Jazz without Rudy Gobert, without Bogdan Madonovich. And again, they're in a position where they could move up to the third spot with the way Golden State is reeling. And, you know, guys are in and out of the lineup. Obviously, they won't have Steph Curry until the playoffs start. So the Mavericks have a realistic shot of moving up to third. But here's the deal with that. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the Mavericks stay as put, they would play the Jazz, who are in fifth. I mean, obviously, you know, all things considered, everyone stays, in, stays kind of where they're at, and no one moves um, up or down a slot. They would, play the, they would play the Utah Jazz. Now, if they were able to usurp the Warriors and move into the third spot, they would then play the Nuggets projected. And so it's kind of twofold. So if they play if they play the Jazz, they could potentially get the Suns in the second round. If they play the Nuggets, they could potentially get the Grizzlies in the second round or the Timberwolves. I don't want to count them out because they've been having a really good season and the Grizzlies don't have a lot of playoff success with the current team they have. So that could be a dogfight all in its own. That being said, would you rather the Mavericks stay put and play against the Jazz, or would you rather see them against the Nuggets? I thought the Jazz are right for the picking, man. They're a team that is looking for a change. Um, you could just tell with the coaching rumors surrounding Quinn Snyder, with the constant tension that seems to surround Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, the fact that they have underperformed in the playoffs the last couple of seasons here, you know, after having high seeds the last few years. So, I'm looking at them as right for the picking. I think we saw how easily the Mavericks handled the Jazz, what, just this week, you know? So it is very much in play. The Nuggets are, are, are a team that I like, a, a nice little fun Mavs-Nuggets matchup, but let's be real. Luka can't raise to another level. Um, you don't know about the health of some of these other guys in Denver returning. That could just be a variable that maybe, you know, Denver, um, Dallas can't account for. But if you look at that Utah team, dude, they are set. They are ripe for the picking for not even an upset, just an early loss. I think you want to keep it where where you're going if you're trying toward the Utah's uh, direction. Yeah, and and it's it. I like that you brought up the fact about you know the coaching situation surrounding Quinn Snyder because that's a real thing. You know the type of energy you have around your team going into a playoff push, and things just looking like a grind. And ultimately, from you know just looking from a distance, that roster might they might have um, pushed that roster as far as it can go. And we all know that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell don't have the the greatest of relationships as it is. And so it just might be a lot of strain over there. And that type of energy going into a playoff push could definitely be something to consider. And for the Mm -hmm. Mavericks to play against them, you just might catch a team, you know, right place at the right time. Now, that being said, neither of these matchups bode well for them in terms of um, inside play. But obviously, you know, playing against the Joker, 
huge problem because the Mavericks yep. do not protect the rim well. They are not a team that actually defends the paint well. I mean, between both of their bigs, who is Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber, they're both allowing bigs to shoot over 60% at the rim. That's not a good recipe playing against Joker. However, you no. know, if you play against the Utah Jazz, who don't necessarily necessarily throw the ball inside to Rudy as much, they might be able to compensate for that, uh, for the fact that they're not necessarily a great team um, defending the, the paint. So for me, I kind of would like to see them play the, the Utah Jazz, mainly for the reasons I just explained, but also for what you said, because I think you get a team like that who's just kind of, you know, down and out, so to speak, might be going through mm-hmm. a thing um, internally, not knowing what they really want to do um, in terms of, you know, just the, giving that maximum effort for a team that you really feel great about. And that, and, and that can make a difference in a playoff push. So it will be interesting to see. I'm in a, and again, I mean, the, the weird thing about this is even if they were to play the Nuggets, they're two and one against the Nuggets this season. So they do have a winning record. Um, I don't know what the realistic opportunities to for the Nuggets to get back Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. And even if they do, they're going to be extremely rusty. So I don't know if yeah. that's necessarily a benefit um, getting those guys back, although I'm sure they would be more than thrilled um, to get those guys. Um, before we keep going, let me make sure to let you guys know, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner over at Sports Ethos, Thrive, Thrive Fantasy. Props up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ETHOS when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Okay, Corbin, that being said, talking about the the Mavericks and their playoff prospects, moving forward, are there – now, I kind of talked about what my concerns were, and I might have got ahead of myself. But do you have any concerns as we we approach postseason play for the Mavericks? Are you seeing anything – that could definitely be a hiccup along the way or something that you would like to see them clean up before they get there? I think, honestly, uh, let's just make ma- it's maintaining, you know, it's maintaining the defensive execution. It's working out the offensive kinks, you know, I mean, there's not even any kinks to really work out right now. I think Jason Kidd has them playing really well, has a nice bounce. He's been the underrated kind of MVP of this team. And I, I feel crazy even saying that, but it's true. I think, honestly, if they just continue on this path, like, they're going to be fine. But let's take some time. You know, Luka's going to take a heavy load as usual come the postseason. So now should be the time to find out your positioning, you know, figure out what you're going to do in, in that regard, and and then maybe start giving them some rest, being a little selective, you know? Yeah. And, and, and maybe just getting tip-top shape. I think there's not much at this – late in the game to really start um, – there's not much just late in the game I want to say to really face, and that's probably a benefit for the the Mavericks that they don't have to worry about, oh, we have X, Y, and Z that really need to get figured out. You know what I mean? Right now, in my opinion, they, they're, they're doing pretty good. I think the good news is continue to keep up that good rhythm that they have and also give these guys a break, uh, specifically Luka Doncic, because that first one's going to come. 
regardless of the opponent, it's going to be a lot. So you might as well get it in while you can. Yeah. Um, and Reggie, shout out to Reggie Bullock. He's been playing really well. He woke up. I know he was going through a cold spell at mm -hmm. one point, but now he's woke back up. And a guy who can be kind of a 3 and D um, player for them, he's a less volatile version of Tim Hardaway Jr., um, obviously not as much of a playmaker, so to speak, but he can knock it down. And so I'm glad to see him playing um, at the at the level he's playing. I guess one of my concerns, aside from aside from uh, the fact that they don't defend the the rim very well, is the fact that Maxi Kleba is just he's just been atrocious since the All Star break. He's like he's averaging around four points a game. He's shooting like 26 percent from the field. 60% from the line. I mean, he just cannot make a shot. And they have they actually have to play him not heavy minutes, but they have to give him considerable minutes because again, they're not that big. He's one of their more dependable uh defenders and a guy that they count on. And so having him out on the floor, but also shooting as bad as he is, is kind of a negative. And that could and that could come back to bite them in the playoffs because at this moment, they're still actually um winning with him in the lineup there with him being in the lineup they're actually still outscoring opponents but i don't know if you can rely on that because once the playoffs come and things get even more strategic and they put even more pressure on him to shoot the ball i just hope that at some point he wakes up which i i believe he will he, uh, guys that can shoot you go through these ebbs and flows all the time and so i want to see him get back going and that'll get them clicking on all cylinders um, aside from that, I like the fact that you said about getting Lucas some rest, but here's what I think is a little, it's a little tricky because okay. on one hand, they're one game ahead of Utah for, for having home court advantage, which you definitely want to get home court advantage. So you kind of have to keep playing guys, but, <laughs> but at the same time, resting them would be beneficial and then on the flip side of that if they if you do just keep playing guys full throttle they might end up catching <laughs> the golden state warriors and end up playing the Denver nuggets in the first round which isn't the worst case scenario um but at the same time like i say having it i just for me personally i'd rather have to face what utah is offering versus having to play play against the joker I feel like that's a guy that can dominate a series and actually put you out of the playoffs, especially for the Mavericks. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so that's my hope is that Maxi Kleber can get it going. Um, guys can continue to stay in a rhythm and they kind of stay in the fourth spot without moving up. And I don't know if all three can <laughs> happen at one time. <laughs> you, you're probably right. It's, it's a lot to manage. I didn't even realize, like you said, the, the kind of tenuous situation the Mavericks stand ranking-wise. Like, yeah, you're right. It, it's it's going to be dangling a really kind of tightrope in terms of, okay, we all see that rest is going to be needed if we want to have these guys optimal, specifically and especially with advantage. At the same time, you do want to make sure that you get at least a somewhat favorable matchup, and that does make a lot of sense. And I'm glad you brought Max to Cleaver because I did realize his offensive struggles have been very real and noted. Defensively, he's going to need to have him, especially if he plays like, the, you know, uh, whoever he is on the wings, I can see him having to get um, heavy runs just because of what he brings on the defensive side. It's like a mobile guy with length, um, similar to Dorian Finney-Smith. You know, but at the same time, offensively, yeah, he can be quite a detriment if he continues to play like he's been playing this last month or so. You know, so 
that is something of a slight concern for sure. Hopefully he can find at least, if not a scoring touch, his confidence, you know, um, and just see where that goes. But aside from that, yeah, that's that's a lot to juggle. This Dallas team, man, is interesting. That's, that's the main word because I don't feel worried about them. But, like, the stuff you bring up are very real concerns that have to at least – let's not say concerns, but at least um, components that you have to take into account when you consider where this team can land. Yeah, and and I and ultimately I think they can beat either of these teams. Again, they have a winning record against the Nuggets this uh, year, and they've shown that they can beat Utah. And I don't know if Utah is necessarily a team that I I would be afraid of as a Maverick fan. And I think that you know having Luca, I feel like at this point he's one of the top five playoff performers that is currently playing. Like he just plays at a higher level. He's a gamer, a guy who rises to the occasion, and so I'm excited to see what they can do this year because especially with the fact that they're playing better defensively they're one of the better defensive teams in the league <clears throat> they're not playing as fast as they used to play but they're still getting they're still getting the shots they want and they're still scoring at a high enough clip that they can beat anybody on any given night but it's going to be a it's going to be a grind because i think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of even teams from that three to six range that can actually make some noise and you just don't know what's going to happen. I just really think it's going to come down to, to who's playing well at the right time. And for the Mavericks, I think they're starting to get guys going. Hopefully they can get Maxi Kleba on, um, on board as well. So I would love to see them play the Utah jazz. I know they say, be careful for what you wish for, but man, I feel mm-hmm. good about that one. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm right there with you. I think it's really the best opportunity to move on in a way that is optimal um, not only for overexertion, it'd be a tough, you know, six game series, I think, if we had to go super early predictions. But like, I really like where Dallas is, especially given um, the kind of uncertainty with which we've seen Utah proceed with. Absolutely. Um, hey, quickly, before we sign off, we want to also remind you to you all to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL. On the third page of sign up to unlock deposit, match the bon- match bonuses there as well. Corbin, man, as usual, it's great. We're gonna get into this as we get closer to the playoffs, dig into these matchups once they're finalized, and see how the Mavericks do with this final push. Because again, I know there's a lot of jockeying going on, so it'll be interesting to see how teams approach these last few games. I think we got about seven games left, so I- I- I'm excited. I-, I think that the Mavericks can actually make a stronger push this season considering how well they're playing they're playing defensively and having Luca you just always believe that anything's possible. Hey, listen, it is so good to be uh at least a, a fan of a, of a of a team that has a player that's just that special that listen, you get the right situation, the right group of guys and that one special superstar, anything can happen and right now is where we're at, man. As always, a lot of fun with you, bro. Man, same same to you. Thank you to the listeners. Again, please subscribe to the podcast, Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks. Um, please follow me on Twitter at LBSaidit. That's L-B-S-A-I-D-I-T. Corbin, where can everyone find you at as well? Oh, you know, man, I love that LBSaidit, yo. But for real, uh, check me out on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Uh, if you can also give Round Ball Ramble a listen, that'd be great. Part of the Sports Ethos family right here with uh, the Dallas Mavs pod. So just general basketball stuff. Brown Ball Ramble, wherever you find your podcast, Corbin NBA on Twitter. Real simple. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys again. Before we sign off, follow Ethos Mavericks on Twitter as well. That's Ethos, E-T-H-O-S, 
m-a-v-e-r-i-c-k-s please do so continue to follow us we will be back to follow and talk about the playoffs as they get here dive into these matchups how we feel about luca and his crew making a push in the 2022 playoffs thank you guys again talk to you soon go mass